Hello, Choose Love Movement friends. I hope that you're doing well today. This is Scarlett Lewis, the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Uh, We provide next generation lifespan social emotional character development programs online and they are no cost. Uh, These are essential life skills that we all need, especially (laughs) now in our brave new world. And I am so pleased to finally be having a conversation on this podcast with Corinne Winter, who is the founder of Mission B, a mindfulness organization. I can't wait to talk to her about how we met, which is amazing, and uh, how, how and why her organization was founded. I want to talk about your sister. And I just, I, I, I can't wait to really get into this with you because you are an incredibly special person. Um, our partners, a lot of times feel like they were recruited by Jesse. I'm using kind of air quotes um, because I certainly was, but I believe that you were too. And I know you believe that. And, and you've been such a huge part of the creation of our program. And in fact, you created the favorite aspect of our program, which is the brave breath. So I am, I'm so pleased to have you here, Corinne. Welcome. Thank you so much, Scarlett. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here on the podcast with you. And I love you. And I love the Jesse Lewis Choose Love program. And I love Jesse. And even though we've never met, I feel like he was for sure. Um, yeah, so a little bit about, before we talk about Mission B, I would love to guide our listeners in a short grounding practice, just so we can all take a moment to settle in and connect with our breath. That would be beautiful. And then to be present, let go of everything that happened previously, your fears for the future, and just be present together during this short time that we have so we can get the most out of our time together. That sounds great, Corinne. Okay, okay, fantastic. So let's all find our seat, which just means settle into wherever you're sitting right now, whether it's a chair or a bed or a couch. And, and just sit up nice and tall, lifting your heart up, and then allowing your body to relax. So roll your shoulders back and down, lift your heart. And simply invite the body to become still and quiet. And then softly and gently tune in to the movement of your breath. Notice that when you inhale, your belly and heart fill with breath. And when you exhale, your heart and belly relax. So breathing in, the belly and heart rise as you breathe in through the nose. And as you breathe out through the nose, your heart and belly soften. And as you continue to breathe in and out of your nose, notice how your breath moves softly and gently like a wave. How it rises on the inhale and gently falls on the exhale. Inhale, belly and heart rise. And exhale, heart and belly fall. And as you continue, to bring your attention to your breath. 
just reminding yourself that it's safe to relax in this moment. And it's safe to be present for the next 30 or 40 minutes, just to really let go and to relax and to listen. And as we continue to follow our breath, let's just imagine like a child, harnessing that imagination of a child. Imagine a beautiful beam of light in our hearts. So seeing this bright, beautiful light in your heart, Imagine it's sending light through your whole body. And there's this cascade of peace and of presence just moving through you now. So let's just sit together in three breaths in silence. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes, returning to the present moment. Great. That was really nice. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So um, again, my name is Corinne Winter. I'm the founder of Mission B. Um, It's Mission BE. We're a nonprofit bringing mindfulness into schools. And my background is I was a school social worker for 10 years in New York. And prior to that, I um, was a clinical social worker working in the foster care system with children that were considered hard to place. So they were a lot of them were in group homes and um, had charges in the juvenile justice system. And what I learned most um, as both a clinical social worker and a school social worker was that at the root of all of these diagnoses that I was giving and um, at the heart of what was the children were really struggling with was a lot of um, a lot of pain and a lot of um, neglect and a lot of feeling unseen by these children. And really um, that although there's clinical solutions and and CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy that would help the children more on a universal level is to help them self-regulate their emotions, feel empathy and connection to one another, um, feel, feel valued, feel loved, feel appreciated, feel seen, um, and feel held. And, you know, I, I definitely believe in, in psychotherapy and clinical therapy and all of those practices, and this does not replace them by any means. Um, however, as a social worker at a high school of 1,200 children, I could only see 120 a year. And um, the other social worker could see about 120 a year. So that's That's less than um, 20% of our students being seen with counseling, and the rest are getting a health class. Um, In in four years, they're getting a half a semester of health. And that half of semester of health, they have to deal with, um, you know, learning how to make wise decisions, how to plan for their future, how to have healthy relationships, how to deal with their emotions, and it's simply not enough. That wasn't my health class, but that was quite a while ago. But anyway... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My, that's the best health class you can have. You're lucky if you're getting taught that in health class. Anyway, (laughs) that's so true. But anyway, um, it's just a few months. And at the end of the day, what I recognize as a school social worker is that we absolutely need social and emotional learning on a daily basis in the same exact way that we need science and math 
and English and everything else. So I pitched to my my school that we start this program. And at the time, it wasn't as popular and they didn't um, want it right away. But then I did convince them to do a mindfulness program through phys ed. And they said, well, why don't you just do it as a sign up and whatever children sign up, that's who will do it. We're not going to force anyone to do it. Well, more than half the student body <clears throat> signed up to do my course for two months, once a week, instead of going to gym once a week or twice a week. And uh, it was wonderful. Mm. Like the students loved it. They took to it like ducks to water, like rubber duckies to water, as we see think about Jesse Lewis. Yeah. Um, and then I had this idea. Oh, no, I didn't have an idea. Excuse me. A teacher from the elementary school knew that I was doing this and said, can you offer professional development training for our elementary school teachers? So I started doing that. And then one teacher, so we filled the whole entire choir room, which is like 85 seats. And at a normal professional development, you get like 12 to 25 teachers. And most teachers listening know that. We had 85 teachers in my after-school PD. And it was awesome. And then the elementary school teacher said, listen, I'm super type A. I'm really neurotic. Like, I can't embody this and present this. And I was like, well, so am I. Like, it's fine. Just wing it. <laughs> and she was like, no, you have to come to my class. So most high schools get out around two, elementaries get out around three. So for a few days after school, I was going to her classroom and teaching for 45 minutes in her class. And the other teachers in the elementary school found out about it. And they were like, we want this in our class. So next thing you know, I was like, how am I going to get to all these classes? And I also owned a yoga studio at the time on top of this. And um, I had a mommy and me class and a lot of young teachers that were moms and um, that were staying at home. And I said to them, ladies, oh no, this is what happened. One day we were, this, it was the day of the Sandy Hook school shooting. And, um, I was in, I was in a class and I was trying to serve all these kids. I had taught in so many classes that day. I taught in like eight classes that day. And at the end, and I had the most profound and beautiful experience and, and right around uh, fourth period around like 10 o'clock, I was teaching this meditation on imagining that you're there with someone who loves you and they have their hands on your shoulders and they're sending you unconditional love. I'm getting goosebumps right now. I opened my eyes and the teacher had tears in her eyes and four of the students had tears in their eyes, but they weren't sobbing. It was just like one of those graceful moments where you feel moved and you start mm -hmm. crying. And the kids, I said, what are you guys experiencing right now? What are you feeling? And, um, it was simply a meditation about imagining this person with you. And the, the lesson was on Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. <clears throat> and it was nothing like spiritual. It was just like following your breath and imagine someone like Mr. Miyagi. And the kids said, I felt my uncle that died. And I felt my grandfather. Wow. And they, they had these experiences that were like way too spiritual for school. But I did not lead them to that. <laughs> I just told them to get their breath. Right. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is like too deep. And um, But I was like, you know what? Whatever you feel is great. So I went on to teach three more or four more classes that day. And at the end of the day, at three o'clock, I'm leaving the building and I get, a, I get called into the, the main office and they said there was a shooting in Sandy Hook this morning. And, um, and one of our teachers, um, her, her nephew might've been killed, her nephew, Jack. So can you come back to the high school? We need to prepare our students um, tomorrow. So. It, you know, what a, I get choked up talking about this, Scarlett, mm. um, because Jesse and all the kids, it's such a tragic day in our history and mostly for you. And 
um, JT and all the families that lost loved ones that day. Um, so I'm back to my school and we came up with a plan. And the next day we, um, I had to go into all the classrooms and like, because Karen was obsessed with Jack, it was her nephew. And she had pictures of him in her class and she would reference him when she talked about kids. And we went and we made these hearts, um, these pink hearts, and we decorated her whole class with um, affirmations for her to, when she returned to school, to, to encourage her mm. to be strong and to be resilient and that, that she was loved. And then, um, so that night, um, the next night after we made the hearts, I was uh, teaching a, a class at my studio and um, two of my yoga teachers, one of my yoga teachers and her best friend stayed late and they were like, let's just power through some sun salutations because it was like a mellow class. So we closed the door to the studio. It was a cold winter day and um, the door was locked and we were doing these sun salutations and Megan Lambert, it was Megan Lambert and Kelly Bulk. They said, why don't we dedicate these sun salutations to the kids at Sandy Hook? And so we said, we, we looked up their names and we said a sun salutation for every child. And, um, we were about three quarters of the way through and, uh, and all of a sudden the door opened in the studio, which was locked and it was an old wooden door. And, and my, st my studio is on main street in a, in an old house with a bolted door and a Christmas thing to keep the wind from coming through. And the door opened and we just, I felt like what I would call in my religion, which is Catholicism, the Holy Spirit. I felt like these kids, like the spirit of these children come around us. And I felt so moved. And I turned to Kelly and Megan and I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to all the kids that need this program. This needs to be in every class in America. And I said, and I need your help. And they were both teachers that were stay at home moms with babies and I said, well, you help me go back to all these classrooms. I said, I was in eight classrooms yesterday. And my principal said, I can only do that once. That was the last day I can go do that, that I have to be in the high school. I said, if we can get together some more volunteers, we can go in once a week for eight weeks and we can train these 17 classrooms in an eight-week mindfulness course. And they were like, let's do it. We'll, we'll volunteer, criminal volunteer. And um, <clears throat> a couple of days later, I got four more women who had all had master's degrees in education, social work and psychology. Um, and we, and we launched this amazing program um, at the, at the elementary school and it went for eight weeks and um, right around the seventh or eighth week, when we were starting to launch our, our mindful day, which was going to be all 500 students meditating in a field. Um, I was sitting in the parking lot before I go in and I do this every day before I go in, I say a prayer and I do a practice and I ask that I just get out of my own way. And I was looking at the American flag. I remember this very vividly. And I got an email, a message came in um, from a woman named Dr. Laura Asher, who was on your advisory board. She said, I'm working with Scarlett Lewis and um, she has a program just like yours. And she's, so anyway, I, I, I call her back and um, she, I don't remember exactly when I called her back, but I got in touch with her. And by the way, Dr. Laura Asher was somebody that the state hired to be with a few families. Every family right after the tragedy was assigned a, a like health worker, a social worker, which was beautiful. And that social worker came to our house. They spoke to us. They were with us. Uh, during the wake and during the funerals um, and the burial, 
just to provide assistance and guidance. And Dr. Laura Asher is actually in my book, Nurturing Healing Love, because she was, I mean, talk about spiritual uh, occurrences. It was incredible. And so I, that shows you how early on, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I, I knew what I had to do when I saw Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, love, that chalkboard message that he had written shortly before he died. I knew that I had to spread that message. And I was telling Dr. Laura this almost from the very beginning. And so she was helping me connect and she connected me with you. So go ahead. I just wanted to give some background to Dr. Laura Asher. Yeah, she's an incredible yeah, woman. She is. Really, truly. And, and she said, I'm working with Scarlett Lewis and I'd like to join your board. So, um, and she said you were you were planning on doing work in the White House. And now this was around the springtime because it took us a while to get the eight-week course approved and going. So I think we launched it from like maybe February or March into like April or May of the following year. And um, so anyways, Dr. Asher ended up going to Africa to do uh, relief work there. And you and I never ended up getting connected. And I moved to California. So now like a year You know, Dr. Laura Asher went to Africa and opened up a uh, home for orphans. Uh, I think it was in Somalia. And she dedicated it to Jesse and hung his picture there. Amazing, right? Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. You could be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org. It's so amazing. And it's really like our story together is such a testimony of how interconnected we are. It's true. In the world, you know? I think about like there's a web of interconnectivity, and so we had never produced after all that. And um, Megan and, and Kelly kept saying, "Did you ever talk to Scarlett? Did you ever talk to Scarlett?" And I said, "No, I don't know what happened to Laura Asher." And so anyway, I'm in California now, like a year or two later, and I'm telling my friend Aliza Hava this story. Now Aliza Hava does world peace concerts in Israel, Palestine. She's an amazing musician. She goes, Corinne, I opened for Scarlett Lewis yesterday at the forgiveness mm. event in mm-hmm. San Francisco. She goes, I have a <laughs> cell phone number in my phone. So that's when I called you yeah. up that day. Uh, and we, we connected and it was so funny because I didn't know anything about your logo. I hadn't been to your website or anything yet. And, um, Right after we hung up the phone, I was I was at a Silicon Valley event with this artist that was he was teaching us to make these collages, and he said, "Let your subconscious take control." So I got off the phone with you, and I drove right to this event. He goes, "Let your subconscious take control and make whatever collage spirit feels." Put and he had all he had a whole entire like giant room of weird items like buttons and sparkles and toys, and you're supposed to take all of these sparkles, buttons, and toys and create a collage with your subconscious. So as you as you know, Scarlett, I lost my sister Beth. So somehow the collage ended up being about my sister Beth, and she died in two thousand three. She um, she died of a side effect of a drug called Paxil that she was prescribed by her doctor, which does help a lot of people, but ten people have this adverse effect that that causes them to become suicidal. And in just seven days on Paxil, she took her own life, and it was the biggest, greatest loss in my life and the greatest mm-hmm. trauma in my life. And when you do art therapy, you often 
your traumas come out. The, 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 the board ended up being about best. But for some strange reason, in the middle of this board, I stuck a giant rubber ducky, which made no sense. <laughs> and it was so funny because much later when I went to your website and saw that rubber ducky, all of my, my board made sense. It was like, how do we take our trauma and take our losses and take our grief and come together in service to humanity in a selfless way? Like when I think about my work and I feel uh, disenchanted or upset, I think about Jesse. Like the, the, the way what Jesse did um, in service to his mm-hmm. classmates that day. When he told them to run, like that was the the most powerful, brave act of altruism that anyone could ever, ever do. Like that was the most embodied, mindful wisdom in the world. Um, and and I feel like if all of our leaders could look to, to children like Jesse that have this beautiful innocence and this blind sense of altruism, um, and care for our for our loved ones, and care for our classmates, and care for our society. That is the solution. What Jesse did in that moment was mm-hmm. he chose love, and what you chose, Scarlett, in losing your son is in the face of all of your grief and all of your suffering. You chose to be of service to other people. And um, the other day, like it must have been like I don't know. Whenever I texted you, like six weeks ago. Um, right around when this happened, um, this being the pandemic, right? Oh my God. Yeah. The pandemic happened. Yeah. Right around the pandemic happened. And I found out that we're not going to be in any schools and I have 14 educators that I love and care for. And my whole company is coming to a halt. And I felt a few moments of despair and and a few moments of fear, because no matter how mindful you are, you don't mm-hmm. stop feeling those emotions. This rubber ducky, and I'm, I think I texted a peer. This like it wasn't a little rubber ducky. It was like the size <laughs> I could fit it in the palm of my hand. Appeared under my front steps. It's still there because Desmond, my partner, mm. said, "Let's not move it. Let's just because I wanted to bring the rubber ducky to the house." He goes, "Let's just move that. Leave that rubber ducky." So we remember mm. when we walk into the house that that God is with us, and you know that all of that. So, um. It's incredible how all of that was coming together, right? And then when I was creating Love Enrichment Program, and I was working with somebody from Castle, the Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning, and she looked at it and she was saying, you know, you need mindfulness. Uh, This is something that you know, traditional SEL lacks. And we know that you need mindfulness in order to practice social and emotional intelligence. So you need this aspect of it. And, and we had already connected and I knew, I knew that you were the person, you were the right person to do it. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. And was it It Latieri that, that you spoke? Okay. Now this is going to get wild. Are you ready? (laughs) This is crazy. Linda Lattieri, I didn't even know that till just now. Linda Lattieri founded her mindfulness nonprofit right after 9 11. Um, mm-hmm. She's from New York City. She, I have so many goosebumps right now. She's from New York City. She started her, her charity that teaches mindfulness in schools out of 9 11. Mission B, um, we have it, we're connected to 9 11. If you look at our logo, mm-hmm. it's the World Trade Center with the heart at the center, with the earth as the background and a yellow rose arising out of the mission B word. Now, right after 9-11, I worked on a woman 
named Monica Eichen, who lost her husband in the World Trade Center. She was Michael and my uncle Carrie shared a desk at, at um, Euro Brokers. They were on the 80 something floor. Uh, my uncle Carrie escaped and, and Michael did it. Michael died in the towers. <clears throat> and Monica came to me a week later for healing work. And I do um, something called Reiki and I do intuitive work. But I usually don't say that associated with Mission B, FYI. So she came to me and I said to her, I have this vision of you as a spokesperson at the World Trade Center. I could see you like on CNN Live. And that was that was seven days after mm. that was 10 days after 9-11. Fast forward literally 10 years after 9-11. I'm watching CNN Live and there she is with Obama to her right and Giuliani and I think Bloomberg, I forget who else, to her left. I think it was Giuliani. And she's cutting the ribbon for the World Trade Center on the microphone on CNN as the spokesperson for the World Trade Center. Hadn't been here in a decade. I message her on Facebook. Um, I'm at work, actually. Um, and I get on my system principal's computer and I say, um, I got to find this woman right now. And I message her on Facebook and she gets back to me a while, a few weeks later. And she says, they're launching a movie about me at the Tribeca Film Festival, and we're going down to the World Trade Center afterwards. Everything you said came to fruition, and I want to meet you in person and take you to this launch. So we're sitting there at the World Trade Center. She just touches Michael's name on the memorial, and she tur- I tur- we're talking afterwards, and I said, so I'm thinking about launching this, um, this program, um, and this was actually right before I launched. I had this idea to launch something, but I didn't know what it was yet. I didn't this was like um, before it became Mission B, before all of the other stuff happened. I said, I just, I'm feeling called that I have to do something. I don't know what it is. And she I goes, but, I, but we need a solution for schools. It was around the same time I was pitching to my school. Like, we need help class in everything, and nobody was listening. And, and um, I mean, we need mindfulness and SEL in every class. And nobody was like, Corinne, that's a good idea. Yeah. Like, maybe, but not now. Even though they were boarded schools. Were like, yeah, I think it, took, it, may, it may have taken the pandemic to get people to realize how important this is. <laughs> yes. But this was like, this was like about three months before, or maybe longer. It was the spring before Jesse died, I think. And, um, and Monica said, well... Let's let's put something together. Part two of September's mission, which is her foundation. And her foundation was the voice behind the families that lost loved ones. And her voice was, you could not put corporations and corporate businesses on the ashes mm-hmm. of the people that we loved. Love has to rule over money. Like, you know, like, like these are people's lives and their history and the history of America. And literally in this film at the Tribeca Film Festival, it was Bloomberg. It was Hillary Clinton. And, and so on and so forth that we're saying Monica's voice changed, changed her voice as a school teacher. She was a school teacher. She was a woman just like you and I. And her voice made such a difference in, in the building of the memorial and the World Trade Center. And it really wouldn't have been what it was without her. So incredible. talk about resilience, right? And talk about the power of love over fear and over power. So and, and standing up to bullies like corporations, right? And so she was, she was detrimental in the building's memorial. So her and I are standing there and I'm saying to her, I, she's like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I'm just feeling so frustrated because I feel like we need to get social and emotional learning into schools. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And she goes, oh my God, part two of September's mission. My foundation was to bring nonviolence to schools. So why don't you do it through whatever you're going to start? And I didn't have mission B yet. 
So, so I was like, oh gosh, okay. So I wrote this content and it wasn't Mission Beat. It wasn't, and I went for a walk on the beach. Um, and I, right before I was about to meet with her a couple months later, and as I'm walking on the beach, I find, and I'm saying a prayer. It's the night before my second meeting with her. And I say a prayer to God to show me that a sign that I'm on the right path. And a yellow rose washes up, washes up at Robert Moses at my feet, <laughs> like a Walt Disney movie, like a yellow rose. <clears throat> Amazing. So the next day I go to meet Monica. Now our third time ever meeting first after Michael died, second at the World Trade Center, third in this meeting. I said, I have my proposal. It wasn't Mission B yet. It wasn't even mindfulness yet. It was just social and emotional learning. And I said, here's my proposal. And she said, I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, I took the train home from the city and I got on the wrong tracks at Jamaica. If anyone's from New York, you know, you have to change trains at Jamaica to often get to Long Island. And the conductor says, honey, you're on the wrong train. This train's going to the North Shore. You're going to the South Shore. He says, but I'm going to stop the train just for you. And my friend's going to come pick you up on his train. And you're just going to, there's going to be a stop. No announcements. You're just going to get on the train. So when the train stops at my private stop, there's a new 9-11 memorial poster that Monica had not seen yet that came out that week in train stations, et cetera. And it was the yellow rose symbolizing the World Trade Center. And I just got these goosebumps and I, I felt this like army of angels, the same army of angels I felt on the beach that day. And I said, this is my next mission. I said, that's it. I'm quitting my job. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to, this is what I'm called to do. And then it was right after that, that Mission B came to fruition. And I was walking through, I was in another walk. So I highly suggest doing mindful walks in nature. Um, so, so then everything happened with Sandy Hook and we lost Jesse and, and, and you, you started working on your program and I started working on my program. And now we go to fast forward, like June of, I guess it was what, mm-hmm. 2013 Scarlet. And, and I'm walking in the forest and I said, I don't have a name for my nonprofit yet. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so annoying. So I went for a walk in the, uh, in the forest and I just asked that I receive this name and I got the name Mission B. And um, September's mission was our fisc- became our fiscal sponsors, which is our 501c3 sponsor. And Mission B felt like two things. It felt like part two of our mission for September's mission, which is delivering nonviolent educational content. And it also yeah. felt like Mission Beth, my sister's beautiful. two letters in my sister's name, B-E. So it came together in such a beautiful way. And then I thought, oh, I want to make the logo, the World Trade Center. And my 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 digital guys were like, that's not a good logo. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, whatever. I like it. So I went to Barnes and Nobles instead of going online and I Googled logos. And the first page I opened to um, about logos actually talked about Avatar and uh, the symbolism of people protecting the planet for love. And, and how that the same, and it tied it into the World Trade Center, how the World Traders, World Trade Center towers were also connected and how the outgrowth of grief and making it a memorial. And I just closed the book. I put it back on the shelf. I said, it's <laughs> definitely going to be my logo. And ironically today, I have to renew my logo with my lawyers actually today. Um, and, and that was it, you know? Um, so, so then what, once you and I started working together, we started yeah. doing that work on the White House, right? You want to talk 
that a little bit? Yeah, or- yeah, I, I, I do. I want to, gosh, there's so much that I want to talk about because um, mindfulness is now um, almost fully accepted and understood. There are thousands of studies behind the benefits of mindfulness and you, um, you helped weave mindfulness into our four character values of the formula for choosing love, courage, gratitude, forgiveness, compassion, and action. Uh, and the favorite part is the brave breath, which is associated with courage and it helps to create that space between stimulus, what happens to us in life and our thoughtful response enables us to, uh, to have a thoughtful response and so vitally important. Also kids love it because it makes them feel good. And, uh, and mindfulness is, is just so important. What you do, Corinne, I think that especially now in the time of the coronavirus, you know, the ability to be mindful, to sit with yourself, especially, you know, we're all home and we're all in, in, in uncertain times. How can mindfulness help us in, in the time of the coronavirus? Yeah. Well, I believe I love the, the brave breath. And I think that mindfulness um, is key in helping people get through the coronavirus if we learn to self-regulate, what happens is, and, and breathe and relax our bodies and relax our minds, what happens is the moment that we do that, we turn off the amygdala, um, which is the alarm center of the brain um, in the reptilian part of the brain, and we stop sensing false fear. You know, my our friend Wayne Dyer would say, false yes. evidence appearing real. A lot of times, fear, we have fear that we don't need fear of like a deadline or fear of not succeeding or fear of being judged. And mindfulness actually helps us regulate that fear so that we are not in a state of anxiety and stress. So by simply closing our eyes and taking a few deep breaths, we turn off the amygdala. And what that also does is it allows um, more neural connectivity in the parts of the brain that we need for cognition, like the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for higher order cognitive functioning, memory, learning, attention. And we also engage the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory and learning. So the more that we do mindfulness, the sharper that will our brain will be, and the more relaxed we'll be in our hearts. And another wonderful thing about mindfulness is it allows us to be in a more empathetic state. It allows us to listen better, to be heard, to be uh, to felt seen. And it also helps us cultivate a sense of empathy. Um, so often um, people that are like when, when we, um, I know you've done some work in prisons and a lot of people that have committed crimes, unfortunately it's because they didn't get the nurturing, nurturing, mm-hmm. healing and love that so they true. needed um, to really fully develop the empathetic part of their brain. But there's, you can learn this at any age, at any time. We have neuroplasticity throughout our lives. They used to think the brain stopped developing at 25, and it does slow down significantly then. But however, we continue to have neuroplasticity throughout our lives, and we can still cultivate a sense of empathy and a sense of compassion forever and ever. And when they do these practices in prisons, it lowers recidivism rates. It lowers violence rates. When we do this in schools, bullying rates plummet. In the first school that we did it, um, their suspension out of school suspensions in the elementary school went from seven 
the first half of the year to zero the second half of the year. Um, that's really significant in a small school. And we also improved test scores. So when we assess the teachers, you know, and the kids, we improve test scores. We improved five out of six categories in math from the first half of the year to the second. We saw a, a year to year, we saw a 13% increase in English language arts scores for children in our fourth grade, I think it was. And most significantly, we did a study with Stanford University, a student at doing her senior thesis at Stanford. And what she found was that when, when we go into the classroom and we look at our emotions and we ask the children to rate their emotions pre and post program, that in this one, one piece of data, 23 out of 26 students shared an, a negative emotional state as their general state at the start of the program. And they named emotions like anger, frustration, sadness, disconnection. At the, at the end of the program, we had 23 out of 26 students in a positive emotional state. Two were in a neutral state and one was in a negative state. Now, this is after 12 weeks of 40 minutes a week and 10 minutes a day, tw twice a day. <laughs> but it wasn't just mindfulness. It was refra positive reframing. It was cultivating compassion for your friends. There was there's art projects that we do with them. There's group sharing that we do. There's um, pro ways that we get the entire school engaged and the school administrators engaged and the parents engaged. And it really, really, truly requires an entire cultural shift. So I, I think that it's essential that we teach these practices to our children and really important because as adults, we have mirroring neurons. So as adults, we also need to learn these practices because if we're just teaching to our children or our students, but we're not embodying them ourselves, um, then we're missing the mark because children have so many mirroring neurons, which means they pick up on our energy, our anxiety, our joy. And the more that we embody joy intentionally, um, the more that we embody peace intentionally, um, the more that our children are going to feel that. And um, during COVID, it's really important that we actually share when we're feeling afraid that we don't like, I had a, a call with a parent the other day and she said, but I, I, I'm afraid, but I don't want my child to, to know, or I'm sad, but I don't want my child to know. It's really important that we let our children know them when we're, when we're sad so that they're not confused in, in identifying emotions. Part of SEL is identifying emotions. So if you're feeling sad, tell your kid, I'm feeling sad. If you're feeling scared, say, I'm here to protect you and everything's going to be okay. But even mommy or daddy feel scared sometimes. Even, even we feel those feelings. And this is something that we do to help manage those feelings. We breathe in and we notice that we're feeling sad and we breathe out and we notice that we're feeling sad. And, um, and, it's, and allowing ourselves and giving ourselves permission to experience those emotions. And then also inviting and allowing ourselves the opportunity to choose something different, you know? to choose, I, I, I love and accept myself even though I feel sad in this moment, it's safe for me to feel sad. And I can choose to do something that's gonna bring a little more joy into my life. I love that because um, sometimes we, our words don't match our actions and our kids are really smart and they're looking at us and they're learning from us right now in the moment how to handle difficulty, uncertainty, challenges. We are their role models in the moment. We're teaching every single day with everything that we do. Yeah. 
And when you realize that, it actually strengthens you and really helps you rise to the occasion. And I think that's so important. The other thing I love about mindfulness is, you know, with our negative bias, Corinne, we have tended to wait until we have an issue and then we address the issue. We focus on the issue. And guess what? The issues have gotten bigger that we're dealing with in our world, including substance abuse, bullying, suicide, (laughs) mental health issues, anxiety. All these things are burgeoning, especially in the time of the coronavirus. And mindfulness is a way to be proactive. It's a way to reduce and prevent the suffering that leads to those things before it even happens. Yes, it can address the issues once they do happen, but it is a proactive preventative approach and it is so powerful. And, and, and uh, just, Mm -hmm. we're so lucky to have you. And so our listeners, I want them to know about your website, mission B, mission B E as in missionbeth.org and the programs that you have to offer. And uh, I know you were telling me about some of the offerings that you have um, online that maybe uh, our, our, our follower can join and take advantage of. Can you tell everyone about those just with the last few minutes we have? Absolutely. Um, We are launching a mindful uh, teacher parent summit and is going live on Monday. Um, you can go to missionbe.org and there's a pop-up that comes up where you can sign up for our mailing list, or you can just go to contact us and sign up at missionb. Missionb.org is fine too. And you can sign up for our mailing list. Um, live starting Monday. It's not Monday. Um, what's that date? Because be people are actually, uh, because, yet. because this is, this is okay, actually summit, recorded, but it's not going to go live for a couple of weeks. So are there things that people Oh, okay. So May, May 1st is the summit. It goes May 1st to May 20th. So Friday, May 1st till May 20th, we are going to have a 20, I'm sorry, May 21st. I'm so tired. The 21st of May, we're going to have a 21 day summit. We have 35 speakers from around the world that are experts in mindfulness, social, emotional learning. We have neuroscientists from Stanford on it. We have Scarlett on it. We have others on it. And yeah, that's going live um, on the 21st, but, um, and on the 1st, but you can sign up, you can start signing up this Monday, but you can sign up um, whenever you want on our mailing list. And the Mindful Teacher Parent Summit is mindfulteachersummit.com, mindfulteachersummit.com. I know. So uh, I have to run in 30 Please. seconds, but let me close with the, can I close with the brave, brave breath? Okay. All right. So um, let's just settle in and thank you for listening to our story today and um, all of our work. So put one hand on your heart and put the other hand on your belly. And just allow yourself to feel safe in this moment and take a full deep breath in through your nose like you're smelling in something really delicious or a beautiful flower (laughs) or a cookie. And then when you breathe out, let the air When you breathe in, let the air fill and make your belly rise. And when you breathe out, blow the air out your mouth like you're blowing off hot cocoa or out bubbles. And breathe in like you're smelling in something delicious or beautiful. And then exhale and breathe out like you're blowing out these beautiful bubbles. Breathing in and breathing out. 
And as you continue to breathe in and out, say, breathing in, I am courageous. And breathing out, I am safe. Breathing in, I can do this. And breathing out, I am calm. So thank you, Scarlett, and thank you, everyone who's out there listening. Um, and just remember to trust yourself, trust your body, and to just stay present to whatever's going on. Um, you know, Scarlett, I found out the other day I was exposed to COVID. My 11 o'clock is actually with my doctor, and I feel fine. But the way that I'm getting through that uncertainty is just, you know what? I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm present. I'm okay Which is going to help your moment. immune system anyway, and, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, the, the, we're, we're kind of quarantined with around wow. five people between two households and a few of the five were exposed. And, um, and you know what the thing is, I'm just present. I'm do, doing everything I can to take care of myself with exercise right. and meditation and nutrients and healthy food. And, and I think just all we can do is recognize That's where right. we have power and control and where we don't. And and not to go in fear over what we don't have control of, but just to do the best we can with what we do have control of and to just be fully present to what, what is. And I really feel like um, I'm nearing the end of the window and I still feel okay. So I think my body did fight it off. But um, So don't worry about me, anyone. But yeah. most importantly, do not worry about yourself because you're going to be safe and strong oh, I and love everything's going to be okay no matter what. No matter what. No matter what, because I love you too. Infinite. Okay, I love you. I Thanks, love Corinne. Leaders. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let the healing. Begin. Thanks for listening to the Choose Love podcast. Our positive, empowering messaging is reaching millions of people all over the planet. Join the worldwide movement to choose love. Our programming is in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country, in every state, and over 112 countries and counting. We're giving individuals of all ages the essential life skills they need to flourish. You can be part of the solution, too. We have sponsorship opportunities available that help support us and enable you to share in helping create a safer, more peaceful, and loving world. Contact me on our website, chooselovemovement.org.